All right, so like I said, last gathering together, equipping on a practice. Hopefully, this is just the beginning of us being uh, a church that continues to figure out personally our, our own rule of life, our trellis um, that, that we could build that could be a support system for the, the vine and abiding in Jesus. If that sounded like a lot of jargon to you, I'm sorry, that's just the language you've been using over the last few months. Um, and uh, also rule of life for our church. A church has a rule of life. A church has a way of engaging in practices. And one, uh, the place we're landing is we want to be a church of prayer. And like I said, we're not just equipping on that today, but all week. So half of, our ga- half of the rest of our gathering, half of my teaching time is going to be me uh, giving some equipping um, And then the other half is going to be four people kind of giving us really practical how steps on how to pray in four different kind of practices, ways to practice prayer. But that's the how, the second half. I really wanted us on this this first half to to be at the why, the the why of prayer, okay? And so the the why is the first half. And my hope is... um, is, uh, is that we would we'd be like, why, why would I not pray? In fact, those are the, my two points for the, the teaching or the invitations. Probably going to start with teaching and then more go into preaching and invitation. My first point is, why not? And my second point is, why not? And if you caught the difference there, it's the first point is, why not? Like, why do we not pray sometimes? And my second point is getting into, holy something. Why not? Why would we not engage with Jesus? Okay? So hopefully the Spirit will guide you from the why not, if you feel you're there, into the why not by the end of our time together. Uh, let, me, let me pray. Jesus, be with us right now. Help us, help the hearts, our hearts, the heart of our church, just be why not? Why would we not engage with you? all the time. Listen to you, hear from you, speak to you even when, we're, when it feels silent and learn together what it looks like to pray without ceasing, to keep in step with you. Amen. All right, so the why not? Why do we sometimes not pray? Um, Jesus himself said a few statements about prayer that I think can really make us feel nervous about prayer. Towards the end of his time with his disciples, we have that time recorded in John, the Gospel of John, 14, 15, 16. He he has his last supper with them, and he makes some statements. He actually makes quite a few statements about prayer. And... I'm gonna, I want us to read these three that he says and listen to them. I want to go ahead and ask you, like, listen to them and see what happens as you're listening because they're pretty crazy bold statements and they might actually mess us up a little bit. So the first one is uh, in John 14. This is actually during the Last Supper. He says, whatever you ask in my name... Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
I, the, the bold words are just me. I'm just highlighting a few things, okay? If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. These are Jesus' words. Um, a little bit later, they're done with supper. John 16, 23, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And then the last one. Oh, did I even skip one? Yeah, I skipped the, the second one. Uh, so that was the last one. The, the second one is the, the one you have in the middle there. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. A total of six different times, Jesus, in those last moments with the disciples, says, ask and I will give it to you. Okay, if you've been a part of our church, you know that we sometimes do some dialogue I'm going to ask the hard question, and I do not want any dumb Jesus-y, churchy answers, okay? I really want to hear what's going on in your heart, um, questions you might have as you hear Jesus saying this, hesitations you might have been feeling, uh, or just simply what feelings are you feeling when you hear Jesus say, ask whatever, ask anything, I'll do it, okay? So, what, what, what are some of the stuff you're feeling as you see that? As you listen to those words, as you look on, on your experience, as you think about how you engage in prayer? It's not true. Thank you, Michelle. You, we could just stop there. Like, that is, I honestly am like, but wait a minute, Jesus. Okay? It's not true. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, yeah, there, there could be, there's that little, like, in my name, if you abide in me, if you say it in my name, so, like, I agree, like, sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm just not doing the magic thing right, like, you know, get the wand and say, but in Jesus' name, uh, that's good, okay, Roseanne? We have real experiences, did you hear what she said? She said, I prayed this so much, and Bunny still died, that was Roseanne's friend, and mentor uh, that we lost this last year. Okay, so we have real experiences, but I did this, and I don't feel like it got answered. Okay, what else? Anything else? Yeah, Mark. I think there's an element of, like, when you ask in my name, if that will help, or what does in my name actually mean? Okay, yeah. Does that mean you say in Jesus' name at the end of it? Good. Yeah. That's great. So an honest response would be, man, I just wish I could be right there and say, this is intriguing. Jesus, please elaborate on what in my name means because I might be missing something. Chris? Yes. Right. Yeah. Now you're, I, think, I think you are leading us in the right direction, and yet at sometimes we're like, but I feel like I am doing this, and I still, there's still a disconnect sometimes, but thank you. That's good. Any other, any other reflections? Any other feelings? Yeah, Mark? I just wish he'd been yeah. <laughs> I just wish he'd been clear, said Mark. Yeah. Anything else, Rachel? 
what's the timeline? How does this work? Yeah, so, yeah. Is it, is it immediate? What? Right. Yeah, what's the timeline? Sarah? There you go. Yeah. It might just be easier not to ask. Yeah. I see many hands keep, they're still going, but I'm going to stop because I want to give everyone space. But my point is, thank you. Thank you for being honest. <laughs> That's what I feel. That's exactly what I feel. And so there is this, there is this disconnect. Is he, is he telling the truth? Is he exaggerating? I have experiences where this is not true. Does it mean I fail? Does it mean I, my faith is weak? Does it mean I have a, a faith in a weak God? Where's the, where's, the, where's the disconnect? So his invitation, thank you for engaging with me on that. It's, it's both kind of scary. It's, it, it, um, it, it messes with us. This is the kind of stuff, honestly, that I think leads us to the why not. Why we actually don't end up praying. It's really easy to stop after certain experiences. It's really easy to, to kind of like even check our, like build a little safer place for me not to get a broken heart if I'm crying out, crying out, right? That's some of our experiences. Some of you may be in a very different place and you haven't yet cried out, that's okay. We'll talk about that too. But a lot of us are like, I don't know. Is he really telling the truth? Like, Michelle said. No, it's not. I, I, um, I just want to say, even as I've been preparing for this, talking with a few people, it's probably likely that many, many, many of you are thinking, okay, to be honest, I actually struggle with prayer, and I think, I think I'm the exception because, I mean, to be a Christian means to pray, right? So surely I'm the exception. I probably struggle with prayer mo- more than people in this room. Do. And I just want to say, I keep hearing that so much. I feel like that all the time. It's probably just pretty much true of all of us. Like Brittany said, like up here, she's like, I, just, I want more equipping because I know it's a journey for me. It's hard. It's hard. There's a man named Paul Miller. I'm with you. I, I remember actually once, not that long ago, it was like six-ish years ago, seven years ago, I bought like all the, I read, wrote all these different people. I was like, what are the books that helped you pray? And honest, a lot of them weren't helpful. They were probably good. They just weren't helpful to me. And then I met, you know, one of those people you meet through their books. I met a guy named Paul Miller who began to guide me into a new understanding of what it means to, uh, to engage with Jesus in prayer. And so a lot of what I'm about to say for the rest of my time is like, I wish Paul was just here to say it. I'm going to kind of say some of it secondhand as I've engaged with it over the, over the few, last few years. So Paul says, you look at these, Paul Miller says, you look at these Jesus statements, you might need to have James's brother, uh, J- Jesus's brother James, help you out a little bit with some of Jesus's statements. And this is what, this is what, um, this is what, uh, he, he actually pull this down. I'm going to, because everyone's trying to figure it out right now. Pull it down. Let me do a little bit, and then I'll ask you to pull it back up. So Jesus' brother, James, who wrote the little book of James that we have, he brings great help to us in how not to pray. He, he describes two dangers. And the first danger, it's both of these. If you have your Bibles, you can open James 4. In verse 2, he describes the first danger. James says that the first danger in praying 
is the danger of not asking, basically not praying. And he says, uh, James 4, 2, you do not have because you do not ask, saying the problem is you're not praying. The problem is you're in trouble. You're not asking. The second danger, so that's over here, not asking. The second danger is asking selfishly. And this is James, verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So those are the two pitfalls. You ask, uh, you do not ask, or you ask selfishly. Not asking, asking selfishly. So now you can pull up that picture. And what you see here is, okay, there hopefully is a middle road, right? You see the middle road. But there are two clear pitfalls. There are two serious dangers. One is not asking, and the other is asking selfishly. With the not asking side, there's obvious, there's actually a separation from God. There's a lack of intimacy. If you're not able to ask, right, if you're not able to go there, there's this, there's a separation. Now, that could be because of some of the things we've already said, like, oh, I don't know if he's going to come through. I don't want to go there again. Or it could be even more just kind of philosophical. Well, like, well, if he's God and he's going to do his thing, let's just let him do it. Why bother him with my input? So it can be any of those things. So we stay on that side and we don't ask. And just that, uh, that little uh, image there is like God separated and me. Like we're just, we're actually not enjoying intimacy with each other, okay? On the other side, we have this asking selfishly that James warns us about, this demanding of God. Now, I'm going to be honest, I actually like the phrase demanding of God. I think there's a good, healthy demanding of God that we'll even get to in the next couple minutes. But this is a demanding of God that is actually implying, I do know what's best. God, you do my will. And that's why that arrow is, is pointing the way it is. It's like, you, tell, you come to me, let me tell you where we're going. So that's the kind of demanding of God that it's problematic when we think we know. So these are two, two pitfalls, and James is saying, don't pray this way, and don't pray this way. And then let's go back to Jesus. Um, by the way, I was thinking about this this week. Uh, the church, if we, if we want to be a praying church, you can look to the book of Acts. Acts is the description of a praying church. And Acts is a continuation of the Gospels, and the Gospels is a really vivid picture of a praying Jesus. So look to the Gospels to see praying Jesus, and then learn what it means to be a praying church. So when you look at praying Jesus, towards the end of the Gospels, uh, he is in the garden right before he is going to die. And he prays a prayer that very beautifully walks straight down that road, and he doesn't fall on either side. Do you remember what his last prayer is, his desperate prayer is in the garden? Take this cup from me, and, but not my will. And so you can go to the next slide. That prayer is the antidote to these two pitfalls. You have, I know that's kind of tiny, but you have the antidote to not asking. It's asking boldly. Jesus is demand he's he's longing he's demanding he's saying abba father please everything is possible for you everything is possible for you take this cup from me i know you can so he's demanding that's the antidote but on the other side instead of acting selfishly there's complete surrender but not what i will but what you will not what i want but what you want and this is simply put this is good asking 
This is really good asking where Jesus is so clear on who he is as the Son of God in relation to, to the Father. He knows that he is a part of the Father's story, and he knows the Father. He knows his heart. There's relationship. There's, there's longing. He, he really could have stayed on the not asking side. I mean, he's about to go to the cross, which has been in, like a plan for, the while, for a while, and he could have said, you're the boss. You know what's best. I'm not even going to, we don't need to talk about this. But he actually goes there, and there's this longing. Um, and then there's this complete surrender, not what I will, but what, but what you will. So you have a needy, needy Jesus, even in his most desperate, desperate hour. And, you know, back from needy Jesus to needy church, the most dangerous thing for a church, the most per- perilous position a church can be in is not being able to collectively, communally say, we're in way over our heads. Help us. That, that's like, that is this, we, in some ways, are always in the garden, like Jesus. And we need to be saying, okay, you have all authority. Please help us, but your will be done. That's, that is a healthy, beautiful church. And a beautiful church made up of, of, of needy of needy people. And Rachel, I, I kind of had this in my notes said like, maybe say this. Uh, there, you said the thing about the waiting. And I just want to say, I think the waiting is, is the hard, one of the hardest parts. And I'm, I'm recently diving into this book called uh, the, the Patient Ferment of the Early Church, which is a, the title itself says a lot. The fermenting, and I'm about to say my wife's going to be like, you totally botched the explanation, but because she understands it. But whether you're fermenting kombucha or sourdough, there's this season where you're like, is anything happening? Like, I don't see anything happening. Is that right, Andrew? Like, you're just like looking at it because he's a fermenter of many things. And so he watch it and you're like, is anything happening right here? And then finally, there's like these bubbles. And it would be really easy to look at it and say, interesting, nothing happened for a long time, and then the bubbles started. But there's actually something happening for a long time, a deep, quiet working, a deep, a, a deep something happening that you didn't see. Or we were talking in our prayer time before the gathering, another metaphor is the ballast of a ship, which is the weight underneath the ship that you cannot see. Ships have they used to have rocks and now like lead. It's this heavy, invisible weight at the bottom. It's invisible. And, and, and sometimes it's so easy to say, like, I don't know what's happening, but actually in a person's life or in a church's life, there's this heavy, invisible weight of prayerful waiting, of per- patient fermenting, or this ballast that keeps the ship on the right course, this invisible prayer life that you don't see. And that sometimes is agonizing because we're waiting and waiting and waiting. But I don't know. I, didn't have, I, didn't, I don't know how to conclude that. Let's be a fermenting church that's, that's waiting. Okay, so I need to wrap this up because these guys have a lot of things to say. Here's the deal. It's really easy to say Jesus did a great job of that. He knew the Father. What does it look like for me to do, to do this? I have no clue. Or you might feel overwhelmed. And that's where we need to get back to what Chris was saying. Okay, what or Mark was saying. What does he mean by abide in me? What does he mean by if you ask in me? Because those are really important clauses in those statements. 
Jesus, by the way, is totally aware of your limits of understanding the Father as you go to pray. He knows that. And he's not like, well, dang it, she still has these limits. Um, He knows. He knows that our shame, our feeling of fear, feelings of unworthiness, wounds that have happened to us, wounds that don't make sense to us, all of that is going to hinder us in going to the Father. And so he says, when you pray, start with my name. Just mention my name. He has this, in, in some way, if all those things I just mentioned are like bouncers to a some place you want to go, like big guys. I don't know where you would want to go. There'd be bouncers. But uh, you have these bouncers. Jesus is saying, hey, you have permission when you get there, and they stop you to name drop Jesus. They're like, hey, what, why are you? You're like, oh, I know Jesus. I know Jesus. I'm reading Pilgrim's Progress to my daughters right now. There's this really great Pilgrim's Progress. If you're familiar with the ancient, I think it's about 400 years old, Paul Bunyan wrote... Um, this, uh, this beautiful story of a Christian on, on, on his way to, to Jesus. And there's this beautiful new um, book for kids called Little Pilgrim's Progress, I think it is, by Helen Taylor. So I'm reading it to my daughters. And we're just at the beginning. We're only in chapter like six or seven of like 90. And so we're at the very beginning. And little Christian, that's what he's called in this book because he's a, a, little, a little guy. Little Christian wants to get to the celestial city. He's, he's on this pilgrimage and he gets bogged down in the slough of despond, the, you know, the, the, the mud of despair. And he goes through this slough and, uh, and he, he is about to give up and help comes, literally someone named Help comes to him, pulls him out and gives him some directions on, on where to go, how to get further on. He shows him this gate and poor little Christian is, says, but wait, wait a second, I want to get to the city, but look at me, I'm a mess, like look at my clothes, they're all dirty, and I probably smell terrible, they're probably not going to let me in, and help, helps like, yeah, like, you are dirty, and you do smell terrible, and usually they turn those people away, but all you need to do is mention that you know the king, and they'll let you, they'll let you in. And I think that for us, that cliff on the one side, we do not pray because either we estimate, underestimate God's view of us, who am I to mingle with the king's affairs, whether it's apathy or despair, like little Christian, or on the other side, the right side of the cliff, we, we, uh, we're actually proud and we forget that we're speaking to a sovereign king, uh, to, to somebody who is, control but loves, is, is in control but loves his people, and so we come and all those things keep us from getting to him, but Jesus' invitation is, pray in my name. And so like Mark said, I think a better way to, 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 to pray in Jesus' name is not to conclude and say in Jesus' name, but actually to begin our prayers by saying, okay, Father, I'm coming here because Jesus said I could. Jesus gave me access, and so I'm going to pray these things now. Like a great way to start. And that keeps us on that that, that place. I, uh, I, this is the last thing I'll say. I heard a guy named Alistair Begg tell this beautiful, like his imagining of what happens when the thief that's next to Jesus on the cross 
Um, do you know who I'm talking about? There's a thief. Like, have you ever, th- I'm just going to tell it kind of how he said it, but like, have you ever thought about, like, how did it work out for that guy? Like, how, how does it work out for this person who is, like, till the very end, like, even cussing out Jesus at first, and then something changes, and Jesus says, you'll be with me in paradise. Like, how does that, how does that work out? Like, he gets to the pearly gates, so to speak, and there's an angel there that's supposed to kind of let people in and, and saying, like, what are, you, what are you doing here? And he's like, I, I don't really know. And, like, like what, why, why are you here? He's like, do, do you, did you go through, like, the church membership process anywhere? Soma has a great membership process. Did you do that? And he's like, I have no idea what you just said. I, didn't, I did not understand half of those words. Are you, can you explain... Uh, do you understand what justification means? Hmm. Okay, and this guy probably has to go get like help. I'm just going to talk to my supervisor. This is this is a very unique situation. So they come back and they ask some questions. He's like, I really don't know. This is a lot of strange language. I have no idea. And finally, they're like exasperated. And one of the guys in charge says, Okay, so on what basis? On on what basis are you here? He says, all I know is that the man on the middle cross said I could come. The man on the middle cross said I could come. And and the reason I mention that, the reason I retell that story, is because I think unless every single prayer that we begin praying is the man on the middle cross said I could come, Father, I have some things I want to talk to you about then we're going to fall on the left or the right side of the pit. And that can be as we're equipping on like normal, just I want to experience you intimacy prayers like Monica or praying for someone in our family that Crystal's going to say or praying missional prayers unless it's the man in the middle cross said I could come, we're off. So it can be dad, the man on the middle cross said I could come and I just need you, I feel lonely. Father, The man on the middle cross said, I could come, rescue my kid. He's far from you. The man on the middle cross said, I could come, and we've been asking for a baby for a long time. The man on the middle cross said, I could come, I want to see my neighbor know you. The man on the middle cross said, I could come, and I know you have all authority. Not my will be done, but yours. I just wanted to talk to you about this. That's what communion looks like. So we're going to go to the table right now. If you don't have uh, the communion elements, if I could just ask Chet, would you mind grabbing that basket? You're closest to it, I think. If you need the communion elements, um, you can just raise your hand. I'm going to invite Brittany just to pray, play briefly. A couple hands right here, a couple hands over there. And then I would just encourage you to to reach over to somebody close to you and just pray. And you can start saying, the man on the middle cross said I could come, Father. If you need to thank him for some things, but you can dive right into just asking. I'm remembering what you did. You died on the middle cross, Jesus. I want to come to you and and pray. We're going to do that, and then we're going to spend a few minutes on, the, on some really practical how.
that we can come to you. It's good to pray some prayers, just bold asking, recognizing that's what you want from us. You want us to be in your presence, to trust you, to be willing to do, go through the patient ferment. Um, pray that we become a, pray, a patient, but praying, boldly praying church. Thank you that we have many that are already leading us into that. And a few of those people sharing right now, give them clarity and good, um, just a, a, a presence here. They can be super present with us and with you as they equip us on a few really practical things. Amen. All right. Thanks, Brittany. I'm going to invite um, uh, both Monica and Crystal to come up here. And if you open up your uh, prayer guides, which I left mine down here, you can see that this week we really want to equip on um, in many ways. And this is not to say, you might look at this and be like, oh man, there's a lot scheduled. Am I supposed to go to all these things? And think of it more as a buffet. And you're like, I really, I really need this right now. Um, a buffet of ways to engage the Father, uh, ways to engage personally or in your missional community, in your DNA, or together corporately as a, as a church. And if you, if you notice the little circles with the arrows, there's kind of three main um, categories for how we're doing this. And the first one is equipping in prayer that, that, that really leads us upward. Now, all are intermingled. We've talked about that before. But Monica is going to share first on, um, on this prayer uh, that, that gets us connected to the Father's heart. Um, on Thursday night of this week, uh, George Sheffy and I are going to co-lead some equipping and practicing time on listening prayer. What does it look like to listen to the Father? So, George, thank you for being available to that. And that's, it's all right here. I'm just kind of giving you a little roadmap. All right. So, Monica, share a little bit with us about your experience with Visio yeah. Divina. Maybe explain yeah. what that is. Is that okay? Or should yeah, I explain yeah, that? No, no, you I can it. do it, yeah. All right. Hi, you guys. <laughs> so, um... Visio Divina, I never really knew that's what it was called, but this idea of seeing uh, the divine, of seeing the divine, um, that's the Visio. And so I, in my uh, experience of praying, I have found the most intimacy and success in seeing the divine in nature and in his creation. And I think that's because I'm a creative person. And so looking to the creator of the things I see is very informative about who he is, what he's like, what he's uh, thinking and feeling, what he wants to tell me. Mm -hmm. And I like to think about it as um, a language that is without words. His uh, creation is a witness to me, and it doesn't always use words, but it's speaking all the time, mm -hmm. and I know it. And it's and doing it has created such a hunger that I, when I can't hear him any other way, I chase him down in his creation. I go somewhere, I walk, uh, sit, um, whatever. And so I have I have specific places that I do this regularly in my life. Um, and uh, I look forward to it because there's an anticipation and a hope that he will meet me in those places like he has in the past. In the past. Um, so I wanted to tell you, about, I wanted to give you an idea, if you've never done this or if this sounds kind of artsy weird or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to give you an idea uh, that you could, you could try it. 
So one of the places that I like to go is Dune Park. And the reason I like to go there is it kind of has everything. It has the water, you can see them on a good day. You can see the mountains, it's beautiful, it's calm. And, if, um, and so in my little you know, bullet points that I wrote, uh, I took notes when I was there the last time, um, I, uh, I, said to, I suggested that you go early in the morning, which is a little brutal for some people, but it is uh, the very, very best, uh, in my opinion, for um, seeking the Lord. Uh, because uh, it's before all the action begins. It's when the water's still. It's when uh, there's not a lot of people around and there's not a lot of voices or distractions. So uh, not long ago I went and I decided to sort of record my experience. It turned out a little different than I uh, anticipated, but I wanted to read you a little bit about, uh, I was taking notes, talking to Siri about what I was seeing and feeling. So I went in anticipating beauty, which is what I'm always looking for, expecting to see beauty. And instead, after I parked my car and walked down, what do I see but like, this construction is just making me mad. <laughs> like I hate it. Like I'm, I'm focusing on it, the chain link fence, you know, just the, the sound of it, the look of it. And I'm like, I came for beauty. And look at all this crap, <laughs> I have to look at it. So I'm kind of, kind of mad about it and kind of like, Sure, I can try to ignore it, but there it is. And one of the things I've learned is when you are interacting with God and you're speaking to him and you're listening for him, pay attention to the things that come up. Like, don't just excuse that or try to make it go away. So I'm like, well, maybe I should sit with that one for a little bit. So I just said to my phone, I see construction. Construction. Kind of like right next door if you drove in this way, right? There's tons of construction right here. And my immediate response to it is not positive, <laughs> necessarily. Um, I said it's ugly. Uh, Chain-linked fences surround areas with broken concrete and rubber tires and giant pipes and piles of dirt and scraps of metal and old signs and styrofoam. But I was coming to Dune Park. <laughs> I came to see beauty, not this. I simply hate the visual noise, the literal noise, and the ugly clutter. It's honest. But it's a work setting, and it's sort of appropriate for it to be dirty, and equipment, and portable toilets, uh, and you know, equipment for digging, and preparation, and kind of speaks of a great work that's underway. A great work's ahead, progress, restoration, even redemption of the land, if you know the history of that area and what's gone on there. It testifies <laughs> that here lies a site that was chosen. It was chosen. It was designated for this purpose. Um, for a great and a massive work intended to serve many people. Though it's ugly now, it foreshadows a glorious future. Kind of what an honor to be under construction. And then I thought, I hate being under construction, me, myself. So this is how the prayer leads you through what you see to what you're experiencing to like personal. Oh, I, I kind of hate being under construction. <laughs> um, and I, I, I kind of, I don't value it. And I wasn't valuing what I was seeing. But it has a great value because all I have to do is swing to the left and look at the results of all of this effort 
in the rest of the park that I came down to experience. So um, I was asking myself, how much do I despise the work in progress in my own life? Do I see the foreshadowing of a glorious future? Do I recognize the honor of being part of your master design? Do I trust your plans, your timing, your vision, while surrounded by rubber tires, <laughs> giant pipes, scraps of metal, and broken old signs in my own life? So I let these thoughts lead me to confession, to repentance, to dependence, to trust, trusting him, to showing respect for the work that is underway in this world, in the crises that we're facing personally, in our country, in the world, and having awe for the creator and the designer. It's everywhere speaking to me. So the rest of my walk was in silence. And if you, ever, if you go down there and you do this, and I hope you will, I hope you'll especially try to do it early in the morning, I'm just saying. Um, I, I would uh, say please go to the very, very end and walk up that amphitheater. It has a path back and forth. You can go to the top, do it slowly. It's a beautiful thing to slow down um, and pray in that manner. So, That's good. Thanks. Do you, do you want me to pray or no? I will. Thanks for sharing that. That's really good. I, I, I think that we can see, we talked about this a lot over the summer, how the different practices just interweave. And you can see that, that Monica's deeply been like, saturated with scripture so it's easier to kind of see the parallels as, as when the scripture is speaking to you and uh and then you did you went right into confession and you didn't expect to do that you're ready to like do probably something else adoration and so thanks for sharing that i'll have you pray here in a second but crystal uh that was some of the ways we want to engage up oh, yeah come over here to the microphone and you are giving us a way practically we can engage in praying in and in being like into our church uh if you notice here Two things. One is intercessory prayer. If you need prayer on Tuesday and Wednesday, you can come and there'll be a group of people ready to pray with you uh, at the, our office space uh, early in the morning before work, 7 to 8 a.m. But another way we want to commission you is through porch prayer. So Crystal, explain what that is. Yeah, so porch prayer is pretty much you just go to a Soma family member's home um, you can just be right outside of their door so that way there's no pressure for you to have to have host someone in your home and you just pray with them or for them. Um, you can pray with just ask them, is there anything that I can celebrate with you that you're thankful for? You can pray a prayer of Thanksgiving. Um, is there anything that's on your heart? You guys can pray together. Um, also, you could um, ask them Ask the Spirit, actually, um, for any word of encouragement. Like, maybe when you get there, something is sparked, and you think, like, oh, this may be a word of encouragement for my brother and sister. Feel free to share it with them. Another thing, um, too, this incorporates the spiritual practice of praying scripture. You can do that. So you can just, it doesn't have to be complicated, just choose a scripture. There's lots of um, prayers that, um, that Paul prayed for the church. Just pick one. And, and you can just insert their name. So like, for example, um, in Ephesians 3, um, 16 through 19, um, practically you can say, Father, I pray for Rachel, that she would be strengthened on the inside. She would know and experience your love in every aspect of her life, that she'll be filled with the fullness of who you are. I pray that you would go way beyond what she asks, thinks, or imagine. So 
something like that. Um, just using scripture and just praying for the person. Um, another example, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Father, I pray for Roseanne to be filled with joy and thankfulness in her heart, regardless of her circumstances, and that she will continue praying, drawing near to you. So just like that. Um, we want to encourage you to step outside your comfort zone. So, you know, maybe go to someone's house that you would not normally talk to, someone outside of your MC, just to like broaden your horizons, you know, this can be a way for you to also meet new people um, in our church body and just maybe develop new relationships. So we encourage that. Um, also, be considerate. So there may be some people where you can just spontaneously show up to their house and they wouldn't mind, but you know, perhaps maybe texting some other people that you think would appreciate that. Yeah, we encourage you to do that. And to bring your mask as well, just in case. And then if, the, if you get to someone's home and they're not available, you can feel free to um, write a prayer and just leave it at their um, doorstep. And then also, too, if someone comes to your house and this is not a good time, you can feel free to say, this is not a good time. That's fine. You have freedom to do that. And the person can just write a prayer and just leave it, and that's fine. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, be good family to each other. You heard that. Maybe be considerate. Hey, is it okay if we come pray on your porch, and then being good family is just being able to show up, and it's not weird, and then also just being able to say, this is not a great time, write us a letter and leave it here, we'll read it later. That's just okay, that's actually being loving family, uh, you're caring for your own boundaries, and love someone enough to tell them, so thanks, you said that. So um, why don't, Monica, why don't you come over here and pray for us, and right after that, Crystal, you pray for us kind of in your own respective little categories there, yeah. Yeah. Holy Spirit, I want to pray for this body that you would lead them into a deeper walk with you through communing with you in prayer. And I pray that you'd inspire them and that you would lead them through their desire to find you and to know you and to experience you. I pray you'd open their eyes to the beauty of what you've created and that you would reveal your nature to them as they uh, sit and slow down and walk and wait um, in surrounded by the things that you've made to testify to who you are. Um, we know that's what they're for and we, I love you, I trust you, and I ask for more for this body and more for myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity we get to just pray with one another. God, I pray that um, even as we engage in porch prayer, that you would just strengthen our bonds with one another as a body. I pray that we would encourage one another, we would build up one another, and celebrate with one another. I pray for this practice to also help us to engage in celebration and thanksgiving for how you've already answered lots of prayer, God. And I pray that um, that this would also be a way for us to live like family, God, and that we would know what's happening in each other's lives, that no one would feel alone, God, because you've provided us the gift of family. So I just thank you, God, that you'll go way beyond what we ever ask, think, or imagine, even this week, and that we would be able to share testimonies of, hey, I remember you prayed for me. This is how God answered. So thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, ladies.
All right, one last category is, is out. We have the up, in, and we have out. So we have a baby handoff, and Elijah and uh, Don, if you guys would come up here. And for the out, uh, you know that, come on up, one, one, uh, one way we've already been praying is for the global church. It's a very important moment to pray for the global church, especially for the church in Afghanistan. And so tomorrow morning we're going to continue in that. So Monday morning uh, at 7 to 8, uh, same time as the, the other intercessory prayer times on Tuesday and Wednesday. Tomorrow we'll specifically focus on the global church so you can come. Um, we, we really wanted to do this in person. We have this whole Zoom option now, which is amazing. And uh, if you need it, you can request it. We were really trying to gather people in person, uh, but let us know. And then Don and Elijah, you guys are going to equip us in a practice of prayer walking. So uh, get this out of your way and go for it. Yeah, thank you. So what we're inviting our family to do this week is just to do a prayer walk in your neighborhood and you can join with someone in your MC or your DNA uh, and just do that. It's really as simple as taking a walk in your neighborhood. Actually, my wife, uh, Crystal, and our son, they take uh, they're, they're planning to take a walk, and um, I'm going to just join them, hopefully, uh, this way, and just pray with them. It's really, really that simple. The idea is it's not an event. The goal is to make it a culture, a habit. If you already take walks in your neighborhood, just incorporate that. If you don't, it's a great exercise, and then you can pray, both physically and spiritually. Um, and then these are some practical guides. Um, the number one thing, and speaking with Don, Don really, this is his lifestyle. I'm so happy for him to really encourage us and counsel us here. But speaking with Don, the number one thing is really just paying attention to the Lord, listening to the Holy Spirit. And like Dawson said, a lot of these things interweave. Um, just listen to what God is saying. And I think I remember a phrase from our conversation, Don, is the word from you before the word to you, which is essentially the word from God before I try to start speaking to him. And again, that's the part of listening. Part of that is also continuing your dialogue with the Lord. So asking very specific questions, God, what's on your heart today for this neighborhood? And then there are a number of other things as well. You can get started uh, by just going through the Lord's Prayer and thinking about how does it play a role in my city, in my place? Because you are, you are in your neighborhood for a reason. We are people on mission. That's the point of mission or community. And if you find people on the road, it's a little challenging because of COVID. Try to pray for specific folks. But um, one thing that I feel like uh, Monica was alluding to is the idea of when you see something that feels like a distraction, or it's really take it as a visual cue from the Lord and see how you can pray through that for your neighborhood. So I'm just going to go ahead and stop right there and have Dawn just speak to your culture. How do you do this? Yeah. yeah. Sure. You want me to talk? Yes. Okay. Wait, how, many, how many more minutes do we have? Dawn gets as many minutes as okay. you want. Okay. Probably about five. Okay. Yeah. Three to five. Sure. So, so I live in a little village. I call it a village of about 50 people. And, uh, and I am the pastor. They don't know it. But I'm a prayer for them, and a few of them know it. So um, uh, soon after Bunny died, one of the, those early mornings, uh, I hardly got out of the house when the Spirit of God said, so you're staying here, okay? I don't, not sure he said okay, but because uh, it was okay. Um, so that was just an, a, a good word from the Spirit of God that I wasn't going to go anywhere anyway, but these are the people. I got about 50 people there. 
I'm probably in the upper echelon of the ages, but there's, there's quite a mix of people. Uh, and I love them all. And I'm trying to get to know, remember their names. Uh, so I, I, I walk about four times a day. I'm a walker. I'm ants in the pants, and I just, uh, and so I pretty well always am praying for these people. This has been the best summer of about five, four and a half or five summers with a few of the people who didn't seem to really like dig me, and I can't answer any, why anyone would not dig me, but um, so a lot of, much friendlier. Once again, I'm not really talking gospel words much, and when I do, it's about one sentence. I don't want to, I don't want to lose them. So, uh, and that's up to the Lord. So I, I pray for these people a lot. In the dark, I get up pretty darn early, and I go to bed pretty late, and, and they don't see me there, uh, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I've met a number of those people along the way. I've had a chance just this year to pray with a few because they have a little issue here or a little ailment there, and uh, they choked a little bit, but they accepted my praying for them. Um, so that's the calling that I have. I don't know what your calling is, but you got a calling, maybe you just haven't heard it. I mean, that may change along the way. I'm 80 years old, so my calling is stick right there and love these people without over, overpowering them. I mean, there's Chuck. Chuck, I thought I lost him in the sense of like any kind of relationship. I mean, man, we have good chats these days. Now, I haven't talked about Jesus, but he's got the, he, they got me, all these people got me figured out to some degree. They don't know what denomination I am or something, but they're, I'm the religious guy. We got a few Christians there. One brother said, you know, I'm not really good with the unbelievers. I like to really go to hospital. It's like, dude, go to the hospital. I'll even come along with and be happy to do it. Um, I did have one other story I wanted to tell. Earlier on, when we first moved here about 16 years ago, I went for a walk one day, and here's a fellow uh, on, a, on a house way up high, and the Lord said, I want you to uh, talk to him. I said, could, could you let me walk around the block? Just wasn't quite ready for it. So I walked around the block, and apparently I was ready because I stood at his gate, which was down way below. We had a good little start. Next time I came, which, and I was clear I was going to come back, he said, well, come on up on the steps. So I came up on the steps, and I met him a little closer. Uh, he was dying, by the way. He didn't tell me that then. Uh, I got somehow talking about my dad and how my dad uh, earlier on was an alcoholic. He was a wreck, and he wrecked uh, our home earlier on when I was under, 10 and under, hard days. And there's a long, wonderful story of how he became a Christian. And, uh, and, and Jim said, you know, it's sort, of, it's sort of like, I think that happened to me. Talk to me. So away we went with that, and uh, more and more I... I would uh, spend time with him, and then he, we, we broke bread one day with him. He fell asleep before we broke the bread. I did the little sermon, or whatever it was, but, uh, um, and then he died. It was very sad. Bunny had got quite, in, quite involved, and then they asked me to do, <laughs> sorry, um, they asked me to do his uh, funeral. I only laugh because I've done a few funerals where nobody, nobody likes me. 
I'm, I'm giving the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I'm speaking well of the person, and, and they're, they're, not, they're not smiling. But that was another one of those. So I started well with Jim. I got invited up, and we talked about how he had become a Christian. And uh, uh, anyway, th these are some of the of what, of many stories of uh, prayer. Thanks, Don. Yeah. What, I, what, I, what I hear is somebody who's walking, seeing people, actually seeing them. And then, and then just this compassion stirred in your heart. Yeah. And there's, uh, when you look at all the, the emotional spectrum of Jesus, compassion is the primary thing he's experiencing. And so my, my invitation to all of us would be, yeah, let's prayer walk. But maybe you might just need to start by prayer walking with Don. And he can help That's you fine. in your seeing. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to volunteer Monica's time. I'll let her do that. She, but Don, I, I will, because he's, he's invited. He's already said it. He said, if anyone wants to come with me, come, uh, come walk with no, me. Or have to do the 445 one. Yeah, or he'll come to you. He'll come to you on your time. So thank you, Don. Um, would you mind praying for us for this thing? Yeah, thank you. for both what Elijah yeah. shared, what you shared. Yeah. Thank you. Hmm. We know, Father, oh, actually, we know, Lord Jesus, that you, you were praying. You prayed a lot. I don't know what you all prayed. I don't know how much you prayed for the people around you. You already loved them. You already were going to die for them. But we want to thank you. Uh, we thank you for the salvation that is ours to everyone here who has received Jesus. And we do want to be people who give you more than five minutes a day I know there's a lot of, of my friends over the years, not much time for Jesus, not much time for you. I just pray that you'll break through for all of us, including me, that we will not be, well, self-centered, self-focused, but we will be others-centered, because you've got us in your, uh, uh, in your view all the time. You love us and love us and love us. So thank you. I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. I pray that they'd have ears to hear what the Spirit wants to say to them. Pray that they will want to hear you, Holy Spirit. You live in them. You live in us, all of us who are believers, and so often in my life, I never gave you time of day. And I, as you know, Lord, I'm very saddened by that, but I'm really thankful for these last bunch of years that you've made it very clear that you're with me and you want to speak to me all the, all the day long and show me and give me directions and give me orders. So I pray for that heart for all of us, these brothers and sisters right here, that we would be yielded to you. We would want to hear the Holy Spirit more than anybody else. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say, that we may give you glory and bring great blessing to people around us. For, for the, their namesake and for your sake. Amen.